0: Well, hello.
1: We're hey, back. <laughs> Hi. Um, welcome to the, another episode or part two of the gender deconstruction. The degenerate gender deconstruction. Yeah. So do
0: you want to pick up where we left off? I think I was asking you a bit of a controversial question about maybe the standards that are placed upon women being infantilizing at times.
1: Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I don't mind like starting from there. Um, I just remember what I was saying was that, um, I do think it's an issue and, um, What was the word we used for satric? the satire, the... um,
0: Like satirical?
1: Yeah, satirical. Um, Like I said, Z-Ways has a song out making fun of this. And I do think it's like been a problem. It's like, I, I don't know when it emerged, but I'm guessing sometime in the early 2000s and... It's just been, like, ever-growing, and, you know, it's just all tied in with, like, advertising and um, the way young girls are sexualized, and I don't know, it's just, like, um, I remember mentioning I, like, I participated participate in it in a way where like I'm uncomfortable having body hair because like I associate being hairless as a feminine thing so I like complete I try to stay hairless and like I know it's problematic and I still have thoughts of like when I see um, other women with arm hair or leg hair and you know, like, my first reaction is, like, I that's not appealing. But then I have to remind myself, like, having body hair is natural. And there's nothing to be ashamed of or, like, be grossed out about. And it's just crazy that it's, like, so embedded into our society and, and what's considered attractive or not. You know, and it usually body hair on women is deemed as an attract, unattractive thing, especially because... Like, a feminists in the past, they were just associated with being hairy and unattractive and, like, um, misogynistic. I mean, misandrous and just, like, unappealing because they also had body hair, you know? And it's just this crazy thing. And we definitely need to, like, get rid of it, you know? It's, like, it's just really bad for everyone.
0: I think you brought up something really important is shame. I feel like people are wrangled into conforming to gender stereotypes through shame, whether they be men, women, or non-binary. And I really do feel that shame is what keeps people from fully expressing themselves uh, true to who they are and instead of just conforming. Uh, right. How do you feel about that?
1: Um... Yeah, I think shame is just this deep, um, it's just like such a human reaction that so many of us feel, and it's like overwhelming, and other people really have no shame. So it's either like one or, or the other, it's never, like, I think there should just be a balance, and then, but... I don't think it should cross over and, like, into the field of, like, having a shameful body image of yourself, you know, because that is how, you know, you stay in a negative headspace or develop all these insecurities because you allow these expectations or, like, beauty norms um, to get in your head and... And you feel shame towards that, and I think, you know, it's perfectly natural to feel shame here and there over things, but it shouldn't be so common when it comes to your self image and your body and who you are. You know,
0: absolutely, because it's so it's so sad to be shameful of something that is completely natural. Uh, right, th- your body is completely natural in its natural state, and yet we're made to feel shame. Um, And I believe you even mentioned this a little earlier, especially through marketing and because of consumerism, because uh, people want to exploit our shame for sales, uh, whatever that shame may be. And that's not to say that people can't express themselves or take care of themselves in different ways. That's totally cool. Everyone's Mm. self-care is totally different, but I think you're absolutely right that society um, marketing the consumerism the capitalistic yeah. society they take advantage of shame in a way to profit um, right. and oh, i believe God. a big part of separating genders is just mostly based on profit right like why would right. we need why why would we need razors for men and razors for women when they do the same job
1: right that's a really good point you know like why gender things like that went it's like designed to do the same job, and like I get that there is slight differences with like male hair due to st- due to due to testosterone. I can't talk right now. Um, being slightly thicker than you know a normal woman's hair or whatever, but like you can't design a razor that's versatile for both genders and. Regardless of thinness or thickness, it can tackle both, you know, and it doesn't have to be this thing where like there's a the pink tax, you know, and women are having to pay higher taxes for like razors and paying for tampons and um all these other beauty products that men necessarily aren't supposed to, I mean, aren't normally using compared to women, you know.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You know, I saw something the other day that kind of frustrated me. It was the fact – someone pointed out the fact that Viagra is, you know, government-funded. Right. Um, the Viagra can be given to you through uh, – you know, government needs or your insurance or whatever, but the basic needs of women are denied the very basic needs. Like you can choose whether or not you want to have sex and if your dick ain't working, excuse me, but if it ain't working, you know what I mean? That's, that's a whole nother situation. Like you can live without it, not saying that you have to inherently, but you could live without it versus a woman cannot live without her basic hygiene needs being met you know, and I feel like that's overlooked as a frivolous thing. Um, And I don't want to just completely say, you know, it's just women, it's just men, this, that, and the other, because there are, there are bodies that like mine, you know, were Uh, assigned female at birth that uh, there are trans men out there who do have to use many of these products. mm -hmm. And, uh, and it just kind of gets me thinking, you know, I'm going to get a little bit deep and dark here, just a tiny bit, you know? Okay. We've brought up this theme of the patriarchy and this theme of, you know, male dominance, female subservience. And it kind of brings me into, if, you, if you're if you not comfortable talking about this, it's totally okay. But it kind of brings me to talking about or thinking about at least what's going on in Texas with women right now or with, you know, uh, bodies that were assigned female Mm -hmm. at birth and it it really does seem like more of a control
1: situation because there aren't these regulations being put on men right no i think it's good that you brought that up like i'm not against discussing that um but yeah like i i think i've pointed this out before like in an assignment i did for a sociology class where why is it if if our if our society is truly progressive and women are equal as we are told or some people believe, you know, um, why is it that like every other election or every other year, women's like biological rights are always up for debate, so especially when it comes to abortions, even like decades after Roe v. Wade, you know? Like, why are women constantly having to battle and fight for equal status if they're apparently equal? Like, if you're religious, God created humans all equal in his image, you know? Like, like, and I don't know, I feel like this all this story with, like, Adam and Eve and just, like, Eve... Being created from Adam's rib, and I don't know, was she? Is there? Is it mentioned in the Bible that she's supposed to be subservient to Adam? Like, so just, I, I think
0: that's a really weird. good
1: point that you bring up. So, mm-hmm. let's take into consideration the
0: Bible was written by at least a dozen different guys, right? Right. So it was a bunch of different letters, um, that were passed down from hundreds of years of oral tradition. So it's kind of like the telephone game, but we have to consider there is not a single female author in the Bible, A. Mm -hmm. Um, So B, a lot of it is their political agenda, how they wanted to control, um, you know, ways, uh, means of communication, how they wanted to control households, how they thought uh, the hierarchy should go or the patriarchy, I should say. Um, how they thought that should line up. So the Bible being written by men does have some problematic aspects to it. But I wanted to dive deeper into it because I myself, I'm not too religious. I really do love studying religion. I love to like learn about it. I love to learn about different types of religions, especially. Okay. Um, but, but I'm finding that the things that are used... Um, as a religious excuse for political means uh, weren't always that way. So this whole abortion thing, the evangelical church actually didn't come out against abortion until six years after the Roe versus Wade or whatever, you know, and that was because the conservative party at the time, they realized that they could no longer use segregation as you know, a catch-all to get people on their side. They Mm -hmm. needed a new platform to get people on their side. So they went for, oh, they're killing babies. Right. And it also kind of brings me back to, I want to say there's this documentary, I want to say it's like 1944, 1945, something like that. And it is a um, documentary about how the fact that the Bible never referenced uh, queer people really inherently, um, and that the word that was changed to mean gay previously in the Bible, meant pedophile. So Mm. there was never actually original text speaking out against queer people. It was text that had been manipulated for politicized reasons. So it it gets you to think that, yeah, you know, maybe people want to think that this is all frivolous, Mm. that the patriarchy isn't a real thing, or that, you know, everybody's equal. But in reality... Things are still being politicized, um, and there is still this this power struggle. And I want to know, what do you hope the future looks like for women and women in positions in power?
1: Um, I just think like my general thought or vision is that women are actually in an equal status like and we need to stop like um I'm not sure what word would be best to use for this but we need to stop using like our anatomy to like say women are lesser than and um you know whether it be cis women trans women it's just like and like with men and trans men and just like um, gender non-conforming, non-binary people. Like, we're all just human beings and I feel like that's where, like, we just all need to be on, you know, equal footing or, like, there needs to be some kind of balance. And it's not just about... I mean, it's, it should just all be about civil and human rights. Like, it's not about... I mean, I there's definitely needs to be, like, a women's rights movement. Thing, but I'm not saying like it should just be focused on one thing entirely. Like, I just, yeah, like I just think we, we need to move, we need to move forward as a society and just be humans, like, and not leave anyone out, you know, like it needs to be inclusive, you know, like intersectional feminism. Yeah, intersection, uh, intersectional for sure, like, 100%. I think that's the perfect word
0: yeah i think that's really important thing that you've pointed out is that you know equality doesn't just mean lifting women up it it means rebalancing everyone and everything. right
1: for sure
0: and uh, an important part of feminism i mean there are different branches of feminism that are problematic right. of course uh-huh. but an important part of healthy feminism Is that they're not only advocating for women's rights but they're advocating for men to escape the toxic masculinity uh, that harms them as well right they're advocating for men to get back into uh, connection with their emotions to not hold themselves to these um, toxic standards right Right. so i think honestly this is going to be a controversial statement but if it went from patriarchy to matriarchy would I be upset if women were in power instead of men? I don't think so.
1: I, but, yeah. I was just going to say, I know, like, I don't see what would be wrong with that. But I feel like when that is brought up, a lot of men react in, like, anger or they think it's such a silly con- thing to, con- like, to think about or, like, process and they just joke it off and... But it's, like, really, like, what is the, like, your mom was in charge of you at some point. Like, would it be so wrong for women to be in charge of groups of people or this country? Like, is that going to cause the the apocalypse? Like.
0: Right. Oh, my gosh. Um, And, you know, there are some societies throughout history and there are some societies currently standing that are more matriarchal societies. Right. it's, Mm -hmm. It's really interesting when you uh discover more about them um i i think it's really quite fascinating and i really do like a lot of the aspects and i'm not saying we need to trade one power imbalance for another necessarily but i think we're talking about more than equality we're also talking about i think the, the word for it is equity right is that the right word
1: i think so maybe if not we'll have to like fat check
0: Fact. Right. Fact yep. Yeah, we'll, we'll look that up later. But uh, it's got me thinking about that. Um, I think it's an image where you've got three people standing outside of a baseball stadium. And there's oh, a large right. Finish, yeah.
1: right? Yeah, I th- I know what you're talking about. Definitely. Right, yeah. yeah. So equality
0: would be giving all of them
1: the, the same, same size box rate, to stand yeah. on,
0: right? But they, mm. they don't all have the same height inherently. Some of them have other obstacles already, you know? Yeah. So we can't give everyone the same thing and say, oh, that's equality. Right. We need to look deeper at what people's needs actually are.
1: Yeah. And and how
0: to how to meet them so we are at the same starting point.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's what it is about. Like that's the way to move forward. And that's why I said like we can't leave anyone out. We have to really like look what are people missing? What do they need to get ahead? And like, how do we create an actual equal status among everyone, you know, and which is equity, you know, it's not about just giving everyone the one same thing, you know, like, we all just need to have our basic needs met, but also address all the intersectional problems that hold people back, you know, in our society, because like, we've set up this society, like, not us personally, but the society that's been in place. And it's just beneficial to, like, people in power. And it's not... Like, it's difficult for everyone to actually have an equal footing and have all the same opportunities, you know?
0: Yeah, I honestly... Um, I think that's a beautiful movement to go towards Mm -hmm. and and it seems so overwhelming because there are so many different factors at play what would you say would be maybe the most impactful change that people can make in in their life that would affect overall change
1: um I think that's a big question but I'm gonna like go with it and just say it really is about wanting to educate yourself. It's not actually about having the information in front of you. But it's really about having the desire to educate yourself and be compassionate and empathetic towards people. Because if you lack those things, like the desire to learn and having compassion towards other people, we're never going to get anywhere, you know? And I think that's what, huge problem is that, you know, a lot of people are taught to be greedy and just think of themselves. And, you know, everyone kind of leaves others behind and they don't realize that others are struggling in ways they don't really comprehend or experience themselves. And then they just think, well, not everything's about race. Or like, what do you mean your life is different because you're a different gender? Or, you know, you... Um, this or that and I don't know it's just there's all these identities and variables that come into play and you can't just disregard everything and just say well like we're both in this country so we have the same opportunities what do you mean I have something over you you know and it's like that
0: bootstrap thing everyone's like pull yourself up by your bootstraps but bitch some people
1: don't even got boots I <laughs> I know and I yeah <laughs> yeah I like the way you put that and that's totally true but um I know we've had like a really lengthy and serious conversation and I wanted to go back to like where we started and like I know how you introduced yourself you talked about being a makeup artist and I wanted to ask you a question um because you briefly did mention it but um i just want to like get your thoughts and opinions on like makeup and how um people can use it to invalidate you know you being your trans man or just you know how they use it to invalidate other trans people and whether you know if trans women don't wear makeup or if they have facial hair and but more importantly you know if a trans guy does have no polish on or is using makeup and people are like well then you're not really trans because you're not like conforming to the cis hat or you know being cis passing you know like what are your thoughts on that?
0: That's a really great point you know honestly before I dive into the trans part of makeup I, okay. I do just kind of want to put out there the uh, view that cis people have on makeup, um,
1: mm-hmm. that
0: even cis men do struggle in the industry to some degree, like in recent years, it's started to change because of social media, because of influencers, people are starting to become a bit more ex- accepting. However, I've been in the industry a little bit over a decade and it wasn't totally uncommon to have a mother come in with her young son and tow And he's really interested because he's walking into the uh, store and all he sees are colors and textures and shiny things. Right. And he wants to touch. He wants to know. He wants to play. But so many mothers, I see them shut it down and they say, no, that's for girls. Don't touch it. That's for girls. And to some degree, I guess they're trying to get their child to behave in a store. But I really do feel like that's the wrong way to go about it. And I always try to, when possible interject and be like hey you know makeup's for everyone and um I didn't try to push femininity necessarily on the child but I would say did you know that you know monsters in movies are made with makeup and there's a lot of guys out there who use makeup to make some really cool fantastical creatures
1: right so yeah
0: Yeah, so I just kind of put it out there in a more neutral way, and then sometimes it gets the moms kind of slowing down thinking, and then they're like, okay, maybe I shouldn't phrase it that way necessarily, but it is a little insulting to be, to have that said in front of you where you are presenting as a man, or I'm even standing next to a cis man, and some women will not go to men for makeup or for their concerns when they go inside of uh, Sephora. You know what I mean? Right. I'm just combining the two, but um, some women, <laughs> when they had a makeup appointment and they were assigned a male artist, they refused. They said, "No, I don't want a male artist." And oh, really? That, yeah. So oh, that was
1: God.
0: that was a little like okay, I could I guess I could see how. Some people might have the idea of, oh, women are introduced into makeup earlier. They might have more experience over time. And Mm. then sometimes men, they start makeup later in life. They might have less experience, whatever. I could see it in that vein. Um, But it really does become a little bit of a sexist situation there are some really cool straight cis men who are doing really well in the makeup industry but Mm. by and large the industry and in itself is a, a a fairly queer industry there's a lot of queer people in the in the industry and i've actually met a lot of men who joined the beauty industry because their queerness was not able to be dampened enough to join like a a typical industry outside that. They felt that, oh, you know, they had femininity that they couldn't hide and that the uh, beauty industry would accept them for it. And yeah, and to some degree that really was that case. I thought it was really awesome. I got to meet so many really cool queer people. Mm. Now, when it comes to transness in the industry, it really did feel invalidating in many ways. There were some people that were basically like, oh, if you're a trans man, you need to conform to traditional masculine stereotypes or else I'm not going to respect you and that's your fault. And that's wrong. That's wrong. But that's how they put it out there is, oh, it's your fault if you don't conform to these standards and I misgender you. You know what I mean? Yeah. is I get it. Like, you're not going to always know someone's gender, especially when they're breaking gender stereotypes. Right. That's when you just use neutral until you kind of can pick up what their gender is. You don't have to be an outright asshole, you know? Right. So for me, as a makeup artist, for a long time, I didn't transition because I felt like, you know, Mm. I love glitter. I love holographic. I love makeup. And these things about me won't be accepted as a man, so I can't tell people I'm a man because they won't accept me as such. Mm -hmm. I also felt that, you know, my body pre-top surgery, that I didn't deserve to be respected as a man because I had such a feminine body. I had a very large chest pre-top surgery. Right. So – for a long time I identified as non-binary and that's not the case for all non-binary people, but some people, it is an in-between stage, not everyone, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I identified as non-binary because I felt like, Oh, you know, if, if it's not immediately obvious that I'm a man, I can't hold that on someone to respect me as a man, which was wrong, but that's how I felt in that moment. And there were people in the industry, it's so funny, that they accepted the queer people, they accepted, you know, the gay people, all of that. And then they would be right there in the break room with me in this beauty industry telling me, "Mm, no, I think that non-binary is just some kind of attention getter. It's not valid. I don't see it as valid. And yeah, later, years later, this person did apologize to me. Um, But in that moment, I was like, fuck, like, how is it in a very inclusive queer industry, there is still transphobia. You know what I mean? So I I stopped them right in that moment. And I said, look, I identify as a man, but do I look like a man in this moment? No, I don't. So I'm going to tell you that I'm non-binary. And that was just my truth. Mm. But it was was really difficult for me to come to terms with who I was and accepting who I was. And there was someone um, through social media that I felt really inspired me. There was this person on Instagram under the name Graveyard vomit, and he's a trans man, or he was identifying as a trans man some years ago. Okay. And um, I, I believe he now identifies as non binary. Mm. Some people come full circle right back around. But right. um, he took testosterone, he was growing a beard, and he was still doing high glam makeup. And then he mm. was also um, very similar to Got Mick, the uh, drag queen, who is a trans man. um was also doing drag which i felt i was like whoa this is blowing my mind because this kind of comes back to where we started this conversation with um how people perceive you versus uh your performance right? right so gender is very much a performance and how people perceive you is like how you go through life and everything and before i transition I felt myself so drawn to drag queens. Um, I was like watching that first season of RuPaul's Drag Race, like right when it aired, when I was in middle school. I was so drawn to this because I felt myself in many ways identifying with these gay men. I felt that I was performing femininity to Mm. be accepted in society And that it was, to me, it felt like drag. It felt like a costume. It felt like, how glam can I go? How far can I take it? How many heads can I turn? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, for me, that's what femininity felt like is more of a performance rather than inherently who I was. It felt like a mask that I constantly had on and that nobody wanted to see past. Nobody was trying to look who was behind this mask. Right. And this was before I really knew how to articulate what transness was, or even knew what transness was. Um, I ended up being admitted to a a psychiatric facility, um, because I was having some suicidal ideation. Mm -hmm. And what what kept coming up, this theme that kept coming up is like, I was like, I feel like I'm wearing a mask. I feel like no one knows me. And I feel Mm -hmm. like no one wants to know me. And that was a lot of the performance that I had put up, I had learned what does society want from this body and how do I give it to them rather Mm. than who am I and how do I be true to myself? Yeah. So it's been a journey and I'm still on that journey to self-acceptance, you know?
1: Right. I, you know, it's a journey for all of us and I really do appreciate and thank you for sharing that because I know it's like deeply personal, but you know, you never know who it resonates with or who it helps understand our perspective as different people. You know, um. But yeah, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to like cut you off either. No, you're totally cool. But um, with that said, I did, I do want to ask you, and you don't have to um. Uh, You can think about the answer if you want. Um, I wanted to ask you, what does masculinity mean to you? Oh, that's such a good question.
0: So um, for a long time, I really did hold these very toxic standards because my father is very much into... Uh, illegal steroids, uh, weightlifting, you know. So uh, masculinity <laughs> yeah. for years in my life was was that type of meathead. You know, it was the UFC. It was, mm-hmm. oh, you solve all your problems with a fist. You've got to be the loudest in the room. You've got to be the meanest in the room. You've got to be the toughest in the room. Uh-huh. And I, I think that's what a lot of my detriment was is because I based my views of masculinity on my father. And so now I'm just barely redefining what masculinity means. And I think masculinity for, for me, like now means security within yourself, security within yourself to try new things, to, um, to support others around you, to, to be a beacon. I think that that's what healthy masculinity is to support the people in, in, your, um, in your life And that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't be supported too. I think that the more I think about it, the more I feel that, you know, masculinity, it doesn't really mean anything, you know, because Mm. depending on where you are in the world and what era and what culture, it's going to be entirely different, especially femininity too, like those two things and how they're, defined will be entirely different depending on where you are who you're speaking to what culture what era of time so i like femininity immediately i think of like flowers right Mm -hmm. but i know that's not like femininity you know femininity Mm -hmm. is 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 strength and femininity is um in my mind you kind of get this almost mother-type sense. Not like, oh, this person needs to be a mother, they need to have kids. Uh, But like the maternal aspect. Maternal, right? There's this natural caring aspect to femininity. And that's why I feel like these these lines that we draw between masculinity and femininity mean less and less. The more I learn, the less it means.
1: Right. It just seems like they're both concepts and they interconnect. And then at the same time, people want to put them as these opposite things when really they're so alike in some ways because it's really all about your personal identity and like you said it varies on the culture and the um, country or where you are in the world like it's just always gonna vary you know it's never gonna be the same depending on who you ask but you know, here in America, I don't know, I just feel like the portrayals of masculinity and femininity have gotten so, like, they become caricatures. Yeah, caricatures. Of, of that, you know, they be- these concepts have become, like, a joke in a sense. And we're just, like... It's so exaggerated, now. Yeah, and people are, like, constantly vying to be one or the other and not realizing that not everything needs to be so gender, not everything needs to be on the polar opposite of like the spectrum, you know, like, it's not black or white, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I feel that some some queer people
0: hang on to those old ideals because it makes them feel more Mm -hmm. secure in themselves. Some trans people even, um, right. hang on to the, the traditional ideals, and some trans people don't even accept non-binary. They're like, mm mm, no right. way, Jose! You need to pick a team, and that's <laughs> it. <laughs> but the more the more I learn about gender and the history of it, and I, I really want to credit um, this this person on Instagram, Alok B V I I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but um, they do these deep dives into history on how we get to where we are, how how we um, began tra- transcribing these labels to these things and where these things came from. And it's really mind blowing. The more I learn, the more I'm like, it means nothing. It's symbols. It's a bunch of symbols that we attributed. Um, it's kind of like when we haven't, let me see how to describe this. When we discover something, but we don't fully understand it in a scientific way yet, mm-hmm. then we try to label it and we try to organize it into these different boxes. But life isn't so easily organized and labeled. Life is multivariant. And right. I do want to bring up one last little weird thing. Well, I, I guess I just call it weird, but it's not necessarily weird. Um, something that was something that I had recently saw on this person's page where they went over the fact that some years ago, bodies were labeled just based on how they look to either be male bodies or female bodies. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't necessarily inherent to whatever this person's DNA was or whatever. And there's a fair amount of people who are born with ambiguous bodies who have bodies that don't, that aren't easily categorized. And um, for many years in my life, I had like a weird medical mystery going on. I went through menopause at the age of 14. And I really, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I I, I spent a long time trying to figure out what was going on with me. And Uh um, I come to find out after I get out of high school, once I was 18 and really taking care of my own medical stuff, that the people around me were not being honest with me that there was more information that they had that they weren't sharing with me. And mm-hmm. I, did, I did find out through genetic testing that I am intersex. I have um, uh, some sort of intersex variant that ended up causing that early menopause. And it's really wild. Like the more I researched it, the more I looked into it, there are these different societies where groups of people are raised as women. And then at the age of like 12 to 14, their bodies naturally start to transition and so it just it it just made me think like this these ideas that we attribute to certain bodies mean even less the more we learn about it because bodies are so much more diverse there are more than two types of bodies there are hundreds of thousands of different types of bodies and I don't just mean big and small I mean bodies that we would attribute to either being female or male, like there's more than those two categories. Like there's so many variants. And this brings me into, I want to know what your thoughts are about cultures that recognize more than two genders. And, you know, what, what do you think about that?
1: Um, I, I remember I wrote something down in a sense that's related to this topic. Um, it was, something margaret mead i want to say she did some research on like different tribes and how they raise children and they were just like there was one tribe where it, they were just so harsh and kind of like this kind of yeah like the spartans you know like um was it the spartans or the romans whoever uh Where they were just very, like, you live or you die. And it's, like, survival of the fittest. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily, like, gendered. It was just about who's the strongest. And then there's another tribe that was, like, we're raising boys and girls the same with the same love and affection. And both men and women are both, you know, paternal and maternal. Like, you both take on the same... I love that um, role, parental roles, you know, like there's not, it's not separated on gender and that's how the kids were raised and that's how they lived as a society. And then, um, and I think I, I forgot what the third one was about, but it just made me think, you know, like we, uh, you know, like we just live in a society where we we created all these rules and we can change the rules anytime we want, but we just are, you know. Once once you've brainwashed
0: everyone, then it's a little hard to unbrainwash them, right?
1: Yeah, and like the people in power is just like, why would we change it when they don't want to look at the issues it's causing or this or that, but.
0: It's easier to control people and manipulate them and get their money if you can easily categorize them.
1: Yeah, and I just think, like, everything should, like, shouldn't be focused on gender so much, and I do also um think that is, like, a point you bring up is that we're being marketed to based on our gender, and it's just another, like, profit. And it's just, like, I guess a result of capitalism um, Absolutely. And it's miserable. Like, we're miserable. Like, shut it down, you know, like, shut it off, hang it up flat screen or whatever it's called. Like, oh my God. But um, I just, yeah, like, those are my general thoughts. I just think we need to recenter the narrative away from gender and just look at ourselves as human beings. Absolutely.
0: I want to point out that there are so many cultures around the world that really did recognize multiple genders, that really did recognize queerness in a positive way, um, (laughs) and that through, uh, unfortunately, uh, through the dominance of the European dominance, I should say. Right. um,
1: I'm just like... um...
0: That tended to kill a lot of cultures, and it made people um conform to what they believed was right and uh made people um hate what was once really beautiful about themselves i think even in india i, I think it's really beautiful how they had a, a thriving culture there before we went in and try and colonize colonizing is really what kills the yeah, the culture the colonization.
1: sorry
0: yeah yeah absolutely
1: Yeah, and, like, sorry, I didn't mean to, like, just leave that out about your question. Like, I do think it is, like, beautiful, and it's telling that there are societies and cultures in the past that have embraced um, more than just the two genders, you know, and it wasn't focused on genitalia, and it was just, like, about... Um, diversity in human life and how we present ourselves and I think that's like absolutely great and beautiful and it just shows that you know other cultures were adapting and embracing one another and unfortunately because of colonization and um, the missionaries spreading you know Catholicism and Christianity around Mm -hmm. um, we lost a a lot of what is actually already part of history, you know, because it was seemed as demonic.
0: Oh my God. Right. It's, it's wild to think that, you know, when they, when they talk about teaching critical race theory, they really just saying, let's teach real history instead of the whitewash history. Right? right. And I think that if we were to teach critical race theory, it would also come into Teaching, you know, the true history of queerness and how queerness has always been a part of history. This is nothing new. Non binary is nothing new. Trans is nothing new. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just that people are being sheltered from this. So when they finally do start to see, oh, this is a thing, they're scared of it because they were sheltered in their history lessons. They weren't taught what the history really was or what you know, the history of of humanity is. It's really wild. And I I really think that you pointed out something is that the colonization wiped out a lot of that history. We really did. We destroyed a lot of the records of history, Uh which is so heartbreaking. And I really hope that's something that we can build towards again. And this brings us right back to people need to want to seek out knowledge. And Mm -hmm. They need to want to seek out knowledge that contradicts what they know. They need to be open to it because of that confirmation bias.
1: Right. Yeah, I think these are very, like, insightful thoughts. And um, I don't know. I feel like we could go on and on. You know, like, I we could talk for hours, you and me both, but
0: i do yeah, want I to wrap it is, up
1: because yeah, we're getting close to like the time limit because <laughs> we got cut off the first time and um yeah like i we would even addressed that that we got cut off the first episode and um we were oh, just yeah. wanting to like uh give a part two to finish what was left out and whatnot but so here yeah, we, we were
0: literally sitting on a
1: bench for, like, 30 <laughs> minutes chit-chatting, thinking that we were recording. <laughs> I know. Like, uh, I mean, the- it wasn't, like, anything too much that was cut off. But, you know, I'm glad that we were able to come back to this and, like, actually have this extended conversation. Because I feel like we added all of this much other information that's... Um, Helpful to like our thoughts and perspectives on deconstructing gender and our associations with it and whatnot, you know.
0: Absolutely. So, um, let's go ahead and wrap this up with um, where would you like people to give you feedback?
1: Um, so my email is the lust files t h e l u s t zero three zero three. At gmail.com. Oh my God. Yeah. Did I say that earlier? The last files of 03 at gmail.com. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, and if you follow me already through any other social media handle, um, just feel free to reach out through there as well. Um, and then if you want to reach out or look up Eli, um, you can go ahead and, and, Give your handles if you like.
0: Thank you. Yeah, um, I'm Eli, the makeup guy. Um, if you want to look me up, that's where I am. I think I'm just on uh, Facebook and Instagram for now. Um, but we'll be expanding soon, and I've actually talked to Rio, and we might be expanding um, another podcast that Rio will be featured on, where we get in-depth about music. So uh, if you're right. interested in that, I think I'm going to uh, name it Eli the Playlist Guy mm. and uh, so just keep an eye out for that because that'll probably pop up within the next few days
1: okay cool and yeah just so people know or are curious I, I'm using a photo or photos I took with your makeup work on for the podcast episodes that you've um, done with me so that people can actually get a little glimpse through the little photo
0: of your work so I love the photo that you chose
1: yeah I just thought that was a good way to like include you because we didn't take any photos and I I don't think we've taken like photos in a while together oh
0: that's true I've been hibernating um I have over 10,000 photos I need to organize so oh my god
1: (laughs) I'm looking into my options like a job
0: (laughs) absolutely But um, yeah, I'll have some new content out soon. I'm really excited to share with you all. um, And I'm really excited to expand on some more topics with you in the future.
1: For sure. Yeah.
0: And I can't wait to start that new podcast with you because I think it'll be a blast.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. It seems like fun. And I yeah, like I'm really curious to how that would go. I feel like
0: I really want to do a focus on queer music.
1: Mm.
0: I, I would love to have a platform that um, gives more light to queer artists. So, okay. and I, I love your taste. So, I can't wait to dive into that with you.
1: Okay, cool. All right. Well, thank you for joining me. And this time we were both like in separate rooms oh, talking over the app. So, in totally Super different fun. cities now. Yeah, so (laughs) um, hopefully it sounds good or fine. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll find (laughs) out. All right, so thank you again for joining me, and I'll let you go now. Thank you for having me, Rio. All right, bye.